All right, we're back with the pros on Money Talk. Uh, first up, Andrew Sullivan, the founder of Asian Market Sense. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Hey, good to have you on. We also welcome uh, Le Xia, also known as Shark, the Asia Chief Economist at BBVA Research. Good to have you on. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, ready for action. Guys, there is so much going on out there. Uh, I mean, gold is on a, on a high, oil's on a low, Bitcoin's up. Um, but it seemed like it was this jobs report out of the U.S. that, that people were watching in the last couple of days uh, to, you know, whether it was impacting on the markets, impacting on the bond markets. Um, what do you guys think, Shark? I'm going to let you have first kick of the can. Uh, yes, I think now that the job market report is, uh, I think, stronger than many people expected. It shows that uh, this uh, U.S. job market is still in shape. Uh, I think that this caused some kind of concern how long the Fed they are going to maintain this uh, high interest rate. Okay, because previously we have the theory that uh, the economy will become soft landed and then the U.S. Fed, they can gradually uh, cut their interest rate. Now it's already at a 5.5. It's uh, quite high. Mm. Uh, but now people worry about maybe this one could be last for longer. That's exactly, we call it a higher for longer scenario. So for the, uh, I think the, for this uh, bond market, uh, equity market, it might not be good news. Mm. All right, Andrew, uh, what's, what's your take on, on where these things are going? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what Shark's saying there. I think that, uh, you know, there, there's we had an, an amount of mixed information last week on jobs from, from between the JOLTS report, the initial claims, and then the, the final uh, jobs report on Friday. And I think it's just going to, we're going to see that the Fed reiterates that, you know, it's going to stay higher for longer. Uh, and it's still very much data dependent and not a lot has really changed for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess some people might find it a little counterintuitive that even though unemployment's, you know, gone down from 3.9 to 3.7%, um, unemployment claims are up, but I think that just reflects churn in the market, right? Isn't that how that's explained? If there's more people actually in the job market, you're going to have higher unemployment claims, even if unemployment itself is going down, yes? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think you've got... And I think the other thing we've got to watch this week, though, is going to be the CPI number, because that's obviously comes out just ahead of the Fed decision and something that they will look for very look at very carefully. But, you know, within that, one of the big sort of uh, swing factors is the housing costs. Uh, and sometimes those housing costs take a long time to actually show themselves up in the data. So I don't think we're going to get any any radical changes in, in opinions this week. Is, is it possible with the CPI numbers coming out, uh, Shark, is, is it possible that we have uh, strong employment and a lowering, uh, a lowering of the CPI and a lowering of the, of the overall inflation? I mean, like, labor is part of the inflation story, but if the, other, if the other elements are going down, is it possible we can still have strong jobs and lower inflation? I think it is possible because uh, if you look at uh, these uh, CPI figures, we usually look at this, uh, their change, okay, from the last year or from uh, last month. Uh, I'm afraid this uh, change cannot timely reflect the change in labor market. So there's a possible that uh, we, we will see relatively lower uh, inflation and the stronger labor market. But the point is uh, now. Uh, if you think about the Fed decision, so next uh, meeting or in the in next year, the meeting in next years, uh, the problem is uh, uh, if you have a slowed inflation, but you still have a stronger uh, labor market, mm. I don't think they have a strong uh, motivation to cut interest rate. 
right? The inflation is lower, it's okay, but you don't need to. Uh, I expect this inflation still above their 2% target. And you have a very strong labor market, that means uh, you, you need to guard against the risk of inflation in mm. future. So. Yeah, um, you know, Andy made the point. Uh, Andrew made the point about uh, housing being a lagging indicator. So you're, you're saying uh, uh, labor's a lagging indicator. Do you, are you also aligned with the idea that housing's a lagging indicator as well, and everything that goes with it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. What, what do you guys both think of uh, what's going on with oil? I mean, uh, Joe Biden says he wants to green the American economy. The U.S. is pumping more oil than it ever has in history, uh, which is bringing prices down. Which I guess kind of works for him in an election year because it lowers the cost of gas at the pump. It lowers inflation you know, because the cost of oil and transportation feeds into everything. Um, Andrew, do, do you think there's something – like how much influence does the federal government have on how much oil is pumped? Can they do that to weaken Russia, help with inflation? I mean it just works for them on so many levels aside from environment. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't. I don't think that's going to be his priority. To be honest, I mean, his his approval ratings are, are are not doing well at the moment. But I think you know, actually, when you look at what Biden has done in in the wider sense of the the measures he's managed to bring into the states, and certainly on the international stage, he's done very well. The unfortunate thing is for him that American voters don't really mind about that, and as you say, they're more interested in. Uh, in the gas prices. Although I think the other thing we're going to see though is that you know a lot of those savings that they've built up have been you know worn down over time now. Um, we're going to be watching the retail sales numbers very carefully going into Christmas uh, mm -hmm. just to really see how confident the US consumer is because that's going to have a big impact you know on the global economy and certainly the export market for China. Yeah, and I mean, we've got some initial indications of that. The Americans already had their, their Black Friday, which is their big uh, retail day. Um, what what did you take from that in terms of consumer confidence? Well, I think, I mean, that's the, the key thing is, yes, I mean, the, the, the retailers are discounting in order to get people. And Black Friday, I don't see as a significant date anymore because, you know, a lot of these uh, institutions, a lot of these retailers are, are bringing these sales more and more. You know, through the year, uh, spreading them out. We saw that on the cyber sales uh, in China as well. Um, it's just a tough market for the retail. Um, people are going to be more more worried and, and trying to get their money to go further. Yep. So what, how are you feeling about the strength of the U.S. economy, retail or, or other pockets? I think this is still okay because remember, not only for these uh, big selling days, but in fact, now uh, United People, they, they buy a lot of the things directly from China. So in form of this uh, mail package, okay, you know mm -hmm. the China now account for 40% of total cross-border pack mail package in the world. So a lot wow. of package directly go to United States. Uh, this part, you cannot directly uh, calculate that one. That could have some uh, impact on the retail sales figures in US. But overall, if you look at the job market data, if you look at uh, the retail sales, if you look at this uh, manufacturing data, United, I think the United States economy is still good. Very good. Yeah, I, I kind of lose. I've, I've had my I've been involved in competition law discussions for a long time. I kind of lose my mind every time somebody says Amazon is a monopoly and clearly they're not. But uh, you know, something that really makes that point is that you're, you're right. Chinese retailers uh, and online retailers have really cracked the U.S. market, haven't they? I mean, Taobao, Shine, all these companies are direct selling to the U.S. Yes. consumer. Yes. And that's yeah. that's a big shift. Um, 
So, so guys, we're, so we're looking at that. We've got oil, we've got gold. I want to see, do you guys have a take on what's going on with gold? It's way up. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of confidence in the market. I thought gold was the, the go-to and people thought there was going to be a lot of volatility. Why is gold doing so well right now? Shark, do you want to give a, take a first uh, crack at that? Uh, so my interpretation is that now people expect that the U.S. they are going to lose their monetary policy. So mm-hmm. uh, also, if you look at uh, around the world, there's still a lot of uh, uncertainties associated with the geopolitics, mm-hmm. right? So usually under this moment, this gold, they will be favored by many investors because people uh, think that's a good hedge against this uh, geopolitical risk. And they also have some kind of the hedge uh, if you are going to have a lower uh, interest rate. So that's, that's why. Uh, gold, but uh, Bitcoin. If you look at cryptocurrencies now, people tend to believe they are the digital, digital gold, right? Sure. <laughs> they, they show some movement. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the crack I heard over the weekend was that uh, gold was Bitcoin for boomers, <laughs> you know, which I thought was pretty good. Andrew Sullivan, what do you figure? What, uh, what have you got to take on gold and or Bitcoin as as kind of people hedging a little bit, saying I just want to put something, you know, something to keep safe. Yeah, I think. It's, it's not just people, though. I mean, I think if you look at central banks as well, their gold reserves had been running down. So they are also increasing that, and that's giving a, a good bolster to, uh, to the gold sector. And the fact that I think China especially uh, wants to de-dollarize as far as it can and put it into assets that aren't you know, directly U.S. dollar linked to gold, again, gives it a good hedge in, in that. And I think, you know, Bitcoin, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that, you know, despite two of the sort of world leaders of, uh, of Bitcoin crypto uh, exchanges being, uh, you know, criminalized effectively, mm-hmm. the, the, the alphas actually, we've seen the coin strengthen. Maybe maybe the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's becoming clearer what's actually involved and that these exchanges are going to be cleaned up gives people more confidence there. Yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of people who don't follow the sector, they hear like, oh, Sam Bankman-Fried's going to jail. Why is Bitcoin still doing so well? And they, they don't realize those things aren't really connected to each other. You know, the, the fate yeah. of it. Yeah. It's more mainstream appreciation slowly. And the, the, the fact there's an ETF hopefully going to come out in it again gives it that, uh, you know, that more uh, traditional veneer. Yeah. One one other thing I do want to touch on, guys. Uh, You know, it's funny. I went away for a little bit in the summer. I came back. The markets were a bit of a mess. And now now they seem to be uh, very perky. Uh, The S&P in particular, uh, you know, hitting a year long high. I think the last time it was as high was almost 18 months ago. Um, How are you feeling about, you know, uh, outside of the big, big blue chips? How are you feeling about the broad, the broader market and things like the S&P? And I think I think the Russell 2K is also looking pretty good. Uh, Do you guys have more to say anything to say about small caps? Andrew? Well, I think yeah, U.S. investors are uh, you know they've been uh, worried. I think by the the fact that it was the magnificent seven, and it's very difficult to uh, you know for large institutions to be uh, very far away from that. But for smaller investors, certainly something like the Russell, which looks at those smaller companies, is much more attractive and much more accessible. Um, and it contrasts very clearly with what we're seeing here in in Hong Kong and China, with markets you know back to uh, historic lows almost. Yeah, I understand the, the retail investor in the United States does seem to be getting more active in the past couple of weeks, uh, as, as the numbers would suggest. I mean, Shark, where, what's your take on the S&P and, and uh, the Rust 2K and, you know, uh, looking more at small cap stocks? Yeah, exactly. In fact, so far to this year, this uh, Nasdaq, 
we can see there on behalf of these high-tech stocks and these Dow Jones on behalf of these big stocks, they have performed, uh, I think, much better than the small caps. Uh, but now the things is, uh, seem to turn turn around because one reason is all these high tech and the big stocks they have a appreciate too much okay so yeah. uh if you look at their movement it seems that there's a time for there to, to uh, for small caps to to do some catch up another one is people now they do expect the change of uh, uh this uh, uh monetary policy in the United States. Uh, generally, if you have this uh, interest rate change, you, uh, you expect the interest rate will become lower. That will benefit all the stock rather than just a group of their one. Uh, so that's I think that's a people's reaction uh, to this uh, monetary policy change as well. So the, the instinctive flight to quality kind of is dampened somewhat. And yeah. People are more interested in taking risk on some other stocks. Okay, guys, we do have a couple of weeks left in the year, but if I had, if you guys had to pick in the last, you know, we've got 30 seconds left. If you guys were able to pick one uh, broad category that you're really taking a close look at for 2024, what, what's really at top of mind? Shark? I think you've got... Oh, Andrew, look okay, at Andrew, the, fire away. Well, I was going to say, just looking at the supply chain to the AI, I don't think it's any longer about the NVIDIA chips specifically, but it's still going to be about all the other things that go into that supply chain. Okay, AI, supply chain for you. Shark, what's your number I one? I stick it to Bitcoin. <laughs> You're sticking to Bitcoin. All right, good. We've got we've got a Bitcoin guy in the house. Thank you very much. Always a great show when we start off on a Monday with Andrew Sullivan, the founder of Asian Market Sense, and Shark Le Shah, uh, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA, BBVA Research. Uh, lively, lively guests, and that's what we like here at Money Talk. Uh, just